We need to talk about fairies. The Scottish soldier and writer John Steadman, 1774-1794, had many extraordinary adventures in his life. He fought in the jungles of South America. He supped the with poet and visionary William Blake. He had a long and passionate love affair with his slave Joanna. He got involved in drunken balls, but for sheer pro-Lazarnas, nothing came close to his run with a supernatural being in, 19, in the 1790s. Steadman had taken an evening coach, going from Hammersmith to the centre of London. Hammersmith is today deep within the properties, but in the late 18th century, it was mostly green fields. As Steadman was enjoying the ride, he heard a strange whistling noise. He looked out the coach window and was fabricated to see a little fellow, about two feet high, dressed in a full suit of regimentals, with a gold-laced cocked hat. Even, but even stranger, small man strolling along at about nine miles per hour, or twice the average walking speed of a man. This fast pace was apparently creating the noise. Steadman had heard Steadman startled, gobsmacked, and it's impossible humanoid. Oak took the stagecoach, swinging his cane. Stoneman had encountered a fairy, one of this island's magical folk. We can think of fairies as co-inhabiting the wildest landscapes, the west coast of Ireland, the Scottish islands, the Cornish hedgehog groves. And there's something to this. Certainly no country in Western Europe has as many fairy records as Ireland. Important studies published through the 19th century Vast and still largely untapped. Records of fairy sightings and fairy belief. In Irish newspapers, 1800s and tens of thousands of pages of folklore. With matching index cards historically collected by the Irish Folklore Commission from 1935. Nor is it just a question of instant quality of documentation. It's also the intensity of fairy belief. In 1838, Co Limerick Court attempted to prosecute fairies for a legal meeting a meeting which had been witnessed by scores of people. In 1864, in Cold a local witch convinced several dukes that she could bring their dead relatives back from the fairies. In 1895, an Irishman, Michael Clary, from the Camels area, burned his wife for the partial conclusion of his wife's family because he believed he was a fairy who taken his real wife's place. England had family beliefs, but by the eighteen hundreds they rarely caused men and women to act in a such drastic fashion. Indeed, as the nineteenth and twentieth centuries progressed, fairies were increasingly seen as Celtic phenomenon. A critical moment in development of this idea came in nineteen eleven when American Bohemian and mystic William Evans Witz published the fairy faith in Celtic countries with Oxford University Press. Fairy faith based on three years of fieldwork in Brittany, Cornwall, Ireland, Man, Scotland and Wales is perhaps the strangest academic book ever published in Britain, which is saying something, or some, saying something as well as proving to satisfaction that fairies exist, Evans, Wales, Oxford University Press monograph also offered insights into reality Atlantis and gave us our single most interesting collection of fairy encounters. Evans Wells restricted himself to the Celts because he believed they were a group with special mystical facility not given to materialists Anglo Saxons. The beliefs proved influential as the fairy faith was 
in the post-war period, we have published in cheap paperback editions. Today, our idea of fairies are Celtic, or gone mainstream. As the author, most important fairy study, the last decade concedes notion that Wales, Scotland and Ireland peculiar claims on fairies is deeply ingrained in the consciousness of the English-speaking world. But, as chapters of his book will show, fairies are cited throughout England, Britain, not only in the rugged west and north, they are here have, up to the present, turned up deep within Ireland, England, and they are as English as Shakespeare indeed. If you run a fine comb for their film, even the most urbanised of modern English shows, fairies, still come tumbling out, in spite of Sedman's experience. Let's return to what is certainly the most difficult place to hunt for fairies in Western Europe, the area today covered by Europe's only world city, London. A fairy tree once stood, and was still feared by locals in the 17th century. Very close to it, what is today Crystal Palace, another fairy tree, perhaps stood in Windsor Park, at least it did according to Shakespeare and Mary Wives of Windsor. Locals in the Greenwich area, meanwhile, take their children to the Fairy Hill Recreation Park, named after local fairy mound, possible the Fairy Hill in the area. It could be argued that these were just fossils from before the London's Red Rust crept out into the home counties. Fairy is no longer associated with a patch of concrete and covers the grave of the fairy tree or Greenwich Montbred family hill. But a remarkable thing is that fairies continue be seen throughout London itself, not immediately in the thoroughfares or London rows of the centre, but London parks and gardens. Thus, in the 1800s, a little girl watched scores of tiny fairies flying from water lilies to trees in Kew Gardens, for her father ordered her away. Late 1920s, artist Ivor Ennis created the Effin Park Oak in Kensington Gardens, today a grade two listed but structure, inspired by the fairies he saw play there and by memories of Peter Pan. In the years before the Second World War, a couple driving by Richmond Park watched a deer cross the road, ridden by a little man, about three feet high, clad in a jerking hose. A clergyman, widow, had a red conversation with a small greenfellow post-war Greenwich Park. The little grand man took away a pain in the, window's, in the widow's foot. In 1987, an 18-year-old Slept the night on Hansard Heath, awoke to see around fifty to sixty little druids staring down from leafy burrows. It also been visions of private London gardens, wartime harrow. One woman watched several glowworms in allotment resolve themselves into gnomes, some in green hats and coats and hats, some in red coats and hats, others in mauve. If it's only now possible to retrieve these stories and others like them because of one of the happiest innovations of the last generation, the digitization of painted works which are scanned and the texts stored online, dissertation of millions of pages of British, Irish newspapers and magazine means that many local traditions beliefs and stories can be claimed for a hundred or two hundred year old pages of academia. Digitalization of books in Britain, Ireland, particularly books about parishes, voyages, and book towns in Google Books and Archive.com, means likewise there is feasible to find scarce and isolated references to folklore in works from the 18th and 19th century where fairies were more commonly cited. This is transforming the study of British and Irish supernatural for the 
interest in fairy lore, particularly we're living in a single moment to the experience of Cold War historians in the early 1900s, 1990s, after decades of having the lying reacted documents and archives in the West and the East are similarly thrown open. The work that follows was uncovered as serious human characters whose lives were embellished with fairies. Whose stories would not be but known without this citation. There's Fanny Bradley, a DeWolf, who widely said in the Yorkshire community in which he lived, have kidnapped by the fairies of Ashcliffe Craig as a baby. The terrified boys adventure into Clumberland Fairy Grave, taking an 18th century pistol with them to kill any fairies they might meet. There's Joyce Catwick, who watches fair pixies on a holiday in Devon. They change shape in front of her, one even transforming itself to a long furry roll that spins around on the ground. There's Kitty Crow, who tells stories about riding the rails with fairies, hobo style, in the mid American Midwest. Then the most dramatic of all, there is Roderick, who tells how he picked up the whisked away the Atlantic from, from uh, Prince Edward's Island, Canada, to America Island by fairies who kept drinking, dunking him into the waves as they flew. See how here, boys, there are maybe ghosts, or may may not, but if there were none, there are fairies, they are worse. Disneyization is a new and rich theme in folklore. Other is, another is its contrary, very complementary, very sightings, very experiences continue to this very day, both in England along the Celtic fringe. However, most folklores and historians have been unwilling to grapple with new fairy experiences. There is among some an unspoken rule, anything later than the publication in nineteen twenty of five photographs of fairies taken cuddling near Bradford can be ignored. These photographs are the fairy studies that the birth of Christ is to the history. There is before and after the five quarterly photos were sponsored by Sherlock Holmes author Conan Doyle, a fairy believer, and then taken by teenage have been taken by teenage cousins Elsie Wright and Francis Griffiths. Elsie and Francis finally confessed to their bakery nineteen thirty eight. Over a century since the first photographs were taken, reluctance to the gauge of new fairy counters is slowly changing in the last years in four surveys of fairy experiences, two undertaken by authors in his book. Some chapters report that the latest of these, the fairy census, the first published scholarly survey of contrary fairy sightings, the fairy centers gathered round almost 500 different fairy experiences from Britain and Ireland, Yvonne from people had striking and something life-changing meetings with the little people, or not so little people, well record for Scotland, a 15-foot fairy standing next to Sycamore. See, each experience may be difficult to unravel for the modern mind, but they are part of the continuing fairy story, the modern fairy story things constantly woven into this book. The fairy census several particularly striking episodes and present patterns. For example, a couple retorted on an encounter in 1990s with a supernatural being on the edge of Dublin that strongly echoes several little-known 19th-century experiences with an Irish goblin named the Pukai.
There are several intriguing findings too. How it's possible to choose one account a six year old girl in Texas had experience which would cause the early modern witch Sabbath. Perhaps most of society know there's data to chew over by psychologists, parapsychologists and neurophotologists. Why is there so many fairies riding girl while we're in bed? Why do many children see fairies? It's difficult that several of these children remember being when when they, they remember being sad when they saw the fae. Why do many drivers desert fairies? Sometimes running alongside a car. Why do fairies people watching television glimpse fairies in their peripheral vision? Fairies have changed, of course, through history, as least the fairy centres shows. We have records of British and Irish fairies. Going back to Monmouth of Roman times, there were the elves, gnomes and trolls of Germanic and Celtic Europe in the Middle Ages. Then the child-sized light-carrying musical fairies of Shakespeare's England. The 20th century media was as influenced popular perception of fairies, not least by moving fairies away from realms of child law. Even since, ever since Tinkerbell followed Peter Pan, Hollywood, modern sightings showed that fairy, Disney's fairy visions have left their mark and that fairies are often today in small winged snips, wooding through the he- heavens. The Tinkerbell on the stage had originally been nothing more than a fairy light, a bike bell, yet the fairy f- wings... For example, appear on uh, end of the 20th, 18th century paintings were invention of cabal of British artists rather than a f- feature of traditional folklore. It took several more years of fairy wings to invention of fairy tales than another 50, 50 for the first claims of people had seen fairies with wings. Another example, all the med- medieval Elizabethan historical records of fairies describe human or childlike beings, there are no butterfly fairies which we only or owe instead to the imagination of Elizabethan dramatists and poets. How can we best define these strange beings that fascinated, sometimes terrified our adult forebearers? They're certainly not tiny fluttering winged elves who guard flowers and trees who live in the deep woods, spreading pixie dust and kindness of a desolate world. Human neighbours are so terrified by the fairies presence they refer to those moldy, abhorrent, unpredictable, habit-creating beings as good people or the gentry because the world fairies apparently annoyed the fae. The fairies, meanwhile, assaulted and tricked, in some cases murdered and kidnapped their way through human populations. What are, if we dare use the term fairies then? Simple magnificent definition is that their traditional fairies are magical living resident humanoids that dwell exclusively in England, Ireland, and in some of the isles of British and Irish migrants settled exclusively because the content content is own magical folk. They are their own characteristics. Fee France, Fete or Fadelie, Southern Europe, or more exotically, Matagari among the Bugres. Kagodurin, Finland. Magical because fairies do not, of course, obey normal rules of physics. They rush through the air, appear and disappear. Time has no hold on them. They can change their environment around or wave their hands, alive in the sense they are not ghosts. It's true they had some claims, not least in Irish tradition. A dead go to live with the fairies, but this is a sexual view. Fairies are residents in what well, they're tied to places. Sometimes these places are natural, a wood. 
a hill of L, and sometimes it places a human contraptions, a bridge, a place mold, a house or church. Funny fairies are humanoids. Vast majority of descriptions are about beings that look like the humans or that are human like. As noted above, there's usually of adult or child size. After this very general definition, we run through into problems, the principle of which are regional variations. Indeed, the first rule of any fay is that all followers local, hence the approach adopted by this book. The first clue to those differences are the names that fairies go by in different parts of Britain and Ireland and Cornwall, their pixies in the middle in the Channel Islands, Pickles, in part of the Southern Midlands, in England, Fellays, in Orkley, in Shetland, Trolls, in Ireland, or at least in parts of Ireland, in Sydney. Nor is it just a question of different labels. Same thing, fairies in different areas, also notably different in their habits, characteristics, and their appearance. Take fairies' relations with humans and the human nature. Neighbour will probably survive a run, even with fairies in Cornwall. He or she might be led a merry dance, pinched, or worst case scenario, drunk, in, down to the marsh. Offending fairies in Scottish Highlands, Ireland might end instead with deaths in the family. Of course, there are things that are very different, fairy tribes hold in common. They're also parallels to the cousins of the continent. For example, fairies, having many parts of Britain and Ireland, at least they did till recent times, their evil habits stealing babies and placing them with fairies disguised to look like stolen children. This changing tradition referred to often pages that follow. There have also filmed stories about fairies in different regions. For instance, the tale of the broken spade. A broken tool is mended and repaired. In reward is given. Appears in three different chapters in the present volume, Columbia, Sussex and Worcestershire. But there is critical, this is critical, there are local variations, with, even in these common traditions. A tale is told one way in Colombia, where the human mends of fairies broken tool, the other way in Warwickshire, where the fairies mend human broken tools. If fairy law were offers a shamely local regional take of fairy law, often while using excitable Citing new sources it also brings other valuable things to the mix. Contrary traditions, it makes the point that fairies are still recounted in our time in some areas. Ireland and Atlantic Canada stood out, stand out. Here are fairy traditions dating back generations. Police are still, in some quarters, taken seriously in other areas. Think of the fairy bunny trees in Scotland, underwater gong tree villages in Colombia. And pagan rituals in periodic stones on the Channel Islands. There are traditions that had only surfaced in the last few years. You might add fairy wings, a fairy doors to this list. Some may want to ignore these last date traditions of being in authentic, but the truth is that it's that is that believed, half believed or enjoyed. They stand as usual examples of modern fairy law, twentieth century successors, the old boats and fairy flights of our ancestors.